Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of The Owl's Nest, bringing you a bird's-eye view of all the action happening in the Overwatch League. Jake, thanks for joining me as always. Happy to be here. It's going to be an exciting week. That's right. So uh, obviously we all are, are all still in self-quarantine, hopefully. I uh, hope everyone out there is still uh, staying safe and doing what you can to self-isolate. Uh, this week on the show, of course, we're going to look at takeaways from last weekend. We're going to forecast a little bit more about the future of some of the upcoming, or the future of some of the teams, and I don't necessarily want to say upcoming. Uh, today we're going to take a look at both the Washington Justice and the Paris Eternal. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit about a match of the week and how those new uh, hero pool rules are working out for us. So uh, to start out with, of course, talking about last weekend, uh, where I'd like to begin is with the always entertaining Battle of Los Angeles, the LA Gladiators and the uh, LA uh, Valiant duking it out and going all the way to a game of five here. Now, Jake, I think the biggest thing that I'd like to get your opinion on here before we sort of dive into the match is, you know, as I was watching throughout this, uh, it seemed like the casters weren't really keen on KSP's Ash, and uh, they felt like it was probably holding them back a little bit, but again, it was a close game regardless. What are your thoughts on the Ash pick? Well, I mean, I don't think it's um, out of the question this week. I think there were a couple times when they were playing Ash when um, I thought that it didn't really fit into the overall strategy. Um, but that's also the reality of Hero Pools that, you know, if you can't play McCree and Widow, you know, like there's probably some circumstances where KSP would have definitely preferred to play McCree. Um, and, and then he's on Ash, but of course, you know, it's the Hero Pool, so you have to, you have to make choices with limited, limited pool. Um, I think... Honestly, it's not that bad of a pick, and I think also some of the Chinese teams made it work and made it look pretty good, um, although in different situations. Um, I think it's actually it's not too bad in my opinion. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's like a really bad pick or or, or really unwinnable, especially given the hero pool. Um, I don't love the overall strategy because I think it makes you run mercy a little too consistently. Uh, and I think that hero is actually more of a significant problem for, for the overall game plan in terms of not just not offering as much as, as the other choices um, on the support line, but still feeling a bit necessary to make Ash uh, you know, as effective as you want her to be. Um, so it's kind of an all, it's a little bit all in in terms of like the Ash has to have a really particularly great performance to succeed. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate the decision. I don't think it's, it's wrong necessarily. Um, I probably would have not wanted to do that, um, you know, if, if I were the Valiant, if I were making the calls. Um, but I don't think we can say that it's like, like just the reality of Hero Pulse is that I don't think you can say that um, the pick is like incorrect just because there's not enough optimization time to determine what's truly correct. And if KSP has been having great performances and scrims on this hero, then uh, I don't see why you would change that for the match. Um, I think it's good that they still had confidence in him. He, I mean, I'm guessing if they're running this comp, they, like KSP probably has been having really good uh, Ash games and scrims. So um, from that perspective, I think I don't disagree with the pick at all. So what do you think was it that gave the Gladiators a little bit more of an edge in this game? Do you think that maybe KSP just wasn't quite performing up to where they thought that he would be? Or was it something particular that the Gladiators did? Well, I mean, it's a super close match, right? So I don't know if we can say that it's like one player really making the difference here. I think it is, you know, when it comes to a game five, it always just comes down to those little moments in, you know, each map um, in the series that, you know, determine those maps. And, and usually those just break down to, like, better team play in the clutch. Um, I think one of the realities of Ash as a hero is she doesn't really offer much to the team play aspect. 
Um, she's pretty much all damaged all the time, um, which can be an asset, but sometimes uh, when you get down to those brawly last fights, then, I mean, Bob is pretty effective, but there's not really anything else in Ash's kit that's so effective in closing those out. Um, you know, I think, and I think once you start to lose teammates and like if your Mercy's down and, and your shields, shield tanks start dropping um, or they can't protect you anymore, then Ash can kind of uh, really struggle. She wants to be playing um, in a six on six engagement and getting the first pick and using the dynamite on grouped up enemy heroes. And, you know, when those things aren't really presenting themselves anymore, then Ash can feel pretty weak. Um, I don't know that I would say that that's the reason, but I just think that maybe it was, adds a snowball effect to, you know, if anybody makes a mistake and falls, then maybe gladiators are a little bit better positioned to take advantage of it, given the strategy they're running. Well, the other uh, match I want to take a look at this week, probably one of the uh, the bigger upsets of the week, the Florida Mayhem going up against the Paris Eternal and delivering a full 3-0 sweep here. Uh, you know, the Paris Eternal is one that we've been watching all throughout this season, kind of waiting for them to really hit their stride and, and really sort of get over that hump and become one of the top teams here that a lot of people, I think, know that they have the potential to be. Jake, what do you think happened here? What led to the Florida Mayhem 3-0 and in the Paris Eternal? I mean, this is a, a huge upset. I, I almost can't, like, speak to to like exactly why this happened you know i think it's i think it's just that level of upset where it's totally out of left field you know florida's been having a pretty tough season um maybe having some better moments than they've had in past seasons but still it's been it's been tough for them to to be sure uh and paris is you know kind of the exact opposite they've been just constantly succeeding um so maybe paris getting a little bit um a little bit overconfident maybe not preparing as well as they could have this week um, because Florida just looked really, really great. I mean, 3-0 and speaks for itself. Um, and as I recall, some of these maps were not actually that close, um, you know, which I think you know, is a huge surprise for the Paris Eternal and their fans. I will say that um, Exe, uh, not off McCree and Widow, definitely hurts them. Um, I think he's actually also really good at you know, heroes like Tracer and, um, and Hanzo, but I do think that they've looked at their best with Exe on McCree playing a comp that lets them group up around him um, and other heroes don't offer that same sort of focal point for your team so maybe that you know took paris off their stride just a little bit um, they have looked in my opinion not as strong on like the really brawly compositions or on dive strategy i think their best strat is you know a mccree ryan diva sort of situation um, so maybe it could be the hero pool kind of taking them off their stride but there's really um there's no way to explain away losing 3-0 to one of the teams that's been having a really rough season, especially for Paris that I feel has been wanting to prove themselves as one of the best teams in the league, and I've been thinking of them as on the cusp of that. So this is really a setback for Paris. Well, they'll have at least a week to try and get their bearings back together. I do believe, uh, looking at the schedule here, that they have this next week off. Uh, Florida Mayhem, of course, uh, looks like they have a pretty easy week up against the Boston Uprising, but uh, you know, any given payload, so we'll see how that ends up going. Uh, now, the other match they wanted to take a look at here uh, was another nearly upset, and that was the Dallas Fuel taking the San Francisco Shock all the way to a Game 5. Now, they actually played, I believe it was Week 1 at the start of the season, where the Shock did beat the Fuel 3-1, to but it wasn't looking as much of a blow as I think a lot of people uh, thought that it would, and if this trend continues every time the Shock go up against the Dallas, they might eventually have a win over them. What was it that you saw out of Dallas, or that you didn't see out of the Shock, that you think led to such a close match between the two of them? Um, I think Decay and... Um... 
especially their the tank line and decay I think played especially well um, for fuel I think Doha had like ridiculously huge games um, as well so I mean I think honestly this Dallas like these new pickups for Dallas have been a huge difference maker um, starting with note like halfway through last season then picking up Gamsu. Uh, I was so happy to see those two get back together on this team. Yeah, and I think that's such a power combo. Great pickups by the Fuel. Um, and then you add Decay and Doha to that. Two, two of the best DPS players in the league right now. And I think this season, I'm honestly... I'm only surprised that from the from the perspective of the beginning of the season, I'm only surprised that the Fuel didn't do even better. But maybe now is the time for them to really come into full stride. Because I think they've got the roster to compete at the top um, at this moment in time. Um, and it just hasn't exactly materialized for them so far, but it's not like been an abject failure. You know, they've they've been getting wins, they've been keeping themselves in playoff contention. So I think as time goes on for this roster, given that it's there's a lot of big changes on the roster, so they have to you know readjust and get used to each other and build that synergy that you need to compete at the highest level. But at the same time, once they get there, this match is proof that they can compete with anybody. I mean, yes, they lose three two. Um, doesn't go their way in the end but i think probably in the sense of it being an upset i don't think people would have predicted it to go to game five i think people would have thought the shock had a bigger edge on the fuel so if anything this just shows how close this season is and you know if you get a moderately favorable hero pool you can take on anybody so i think um especially for the dallas fuel i think of as a team pretty resilient to hero pools just because doha and, and decay have really broad um individual hero pools that enable them to support most strategies that you would run a run with two dps um same for gamsu and note um everyone honestly everyone on this roster has been looking pretty solid so um pretty impressed by them but of course dallas they've got to be able to do it in map five you know so then the only other question that i have for you uh and the thing that's sort of been plaguing my mind is we haven't been seeing a whole lot of sinatra uh this season do you have any thoughts about why he might be riding the bench I don't know. It's tough to speculate on something like that. Um, part of it is just the reality of the shock. Is like Sinatra, like with with Zarya, obviously dominating Goat's meta and that being one of Sinatra's best heroes. Now and then Doomfist dominating the playoff meta. Um, it made total sense for Sinatra to be a permanent fixture on the starting lineup, right? But um, it's kind of the curse of having such an insane stacked DPS lineup. Like, I mean. Like none of the other, all the other DPS on, on Shock are insanely good, you know. So sitting on the bench for Striker or Rascal or Architect is like <laughs> not surprising, you know. Like these players are insane. So you know, from from the Shock side, it's just the reality that like you have to bench two insanely good DPS players every single time you play, unless you want to play Sonatron Zarya or, Sonatron, or you know some morning DPS on off tank but yeah then you're competing with Choi Hyobin okay so it's just, it's just like brutal for this team I mean they have to be benching insanely talented players that would start on virtually any other team just because of the reality of their roster like you know it's a blessing and a curse to have this many strong players you just can't use them all like it's it's just not realistic and maybe in an ideal meta but with with the meta shifting so much week to week um, maybe I could see, I definitely could imagine seeing Sinatra come back in later as like a Tracer or Doomfist specialist, but Doomfist really hasn't been in the meta much and, um, Tracer, you know, here and there maybe, but not particularly in a dominant position. Um, and even for Tracer, then like a striker is also a monster on Tracer. So for Sinatra, you know, it's not even clear that I think he would be the starter in that role. 
Uh, I do think they're both insanely talented, but it, I think it really is more of a stylistic preference for the coaching staff deciding who they would want to start for that role. Um, so for the shock, I think that's just the reality, right? Like you've got to bench insanely good players and there's no way around it. Well, it's a good problem to have probably uh, when you look at it. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, we'd love to know what you guys hear. We value your opinions. Let us know what you think. Uh, leave us comments on YouTube, Twitter. Find us at Checkpoint XP on Twitter and Facebook. You can also find Jake over at Jake. O-W. Coming up next, we're going to forecast the, what the rest of the season might look like for the Washington Justice and the Paris Eternal. That's coming up next. Hey, what's up? It's Weird Beard from Checkpoint XP, and this is your CSL flashback. We're flashing it back to the near past for the 2019-2020 regional qualifiers for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where Rush takes on AIM-D with his Meta Knight versus Fox. You can't really challenge Wolf Up B as Meta Knight. Oh, as soon as you said that, there we go. All right. You cursed him. I did. You cursed him. I did. He didn't even. He didn't even hit him. He windboxed him. That's pretty entertaining. That's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Owl's Nest, thanks for watching. And if you'd like to get us on the go, you can also download an audio-only version of the show on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is that you find your podcast. Go and look for the Owl's Nest and uh, leave us a review if you have some time as well. So uh, we started last week, and and over the next few weeks, we're going to take two teams every middle segment here on the Owl's Nest that that have about 9 to 10, about a third of their season now under wraps, and kind of talk about what we've seen so far, what we'd like to see out of them, and where they're probably going to end up uh, come the end of the season. And and I'd like to start with the Washington Justice, uh, a team that that I have to say, coming into the season and seeing where we are now, I'm actually pretty disappointed in. Uh, They had a phenomenal stage four last season with Corey Lee leading the charge mostly on Hanzo. Uh, Jake, initial thoughts about the Washington Justice, where you thought they might be, and and why they've kind of settled down into the bottom of the standings. Yeah, I mean, I think I I share your surprise and and bit of disappointment for this team. Um, I think the pickups in the offseason in particular were were really significant. I think getting Roar, um, Roar, Elevote, you know, these are huge pickups, I think, for them. And I always felt like, uh, it was the tank line for the Justice that needed the biggest, the biggest help, and I thought Roar would would be that help um, in particular. I, I thought he had a particularly great performance last season, um, but yeah, Corey's having good games. You know, Stratus and Tuba doing well to doing well to be his counterpart in, in combo with him, but this team just not really coming together. I think maybe it still feels a bit like the Corey show watching them play, uh, and I think. Um, I think they need to move beyond that in order to become a truly top team. Like they cannot, they cannot succeed in the Overwatch League relying on um, individual playmaking, right? And I think individual playmaking obviously is important, but as soon as it becomes what your team relies on and it becomes your default, then 
you're going to struggle because it's just not going to happen every single match. And if it happens every single match, it won't happen every single map. You know, you, you just can't rely on 100% because the very best teams in the world have six players who are just as good at playmaking as you are, but maybe they're also going to play in, you know, in a more coordinated fashion. And it just feels like Washington Justice, uh, they haven't been able to pull it together in that same way. They haven't been able to, to find that same success. Um, so, you know, it must be frustrating, I think, uh, for these players. And I think for, for a player like Corey, it's also the reality that, you know, yes, he's a really, really strong player, but nobody can be on top of the meta forever, um, especially given hero pools. You know, Corey's pretty flexible, um, which which should protect him for the most part, but it also might make it more difficult for the team to make the adjustments needed to, you know, be that coordinated force around him uh, rather than just, um, you know, going to doing their best for, for on the playmaking side. Um, but, I mean, the team's had good matches. It's been close over and over again, so I, I don't want to rag on them too much. I don't think they're a bad team. Um, I don't think they have no potential. I think it's kind of just been that clutch factor maybe that differentiates other teams over them. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of feels like they haven't advanced as much in the offseason as I would have hoped. Like, it hasn't been... Like, with, with what we saw in Stage 4, it was clear the potential was there. Um, and it was pretty impressive, too, to see that, like, rally despite, you know, having already... The season already gone so wrong. But then I just feel like we haven't seen that same level of energy in the fresh season. And, you know, it's it's I know how hard it is to be a player um, and how hard it is to, like, let, keep outputting that level of energy and that level of, of focus, you know, for months and months on end, um, especially this season with all of its unique challenges. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely been a struggle for the Washington Justice. I'm not sure exactly what they need to do to fix it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think probably the most significant factors are going to be like the leadership on the team. So whoever is main calling for them, I don't know exactly who that is, though. Who's leading? Is it Ark? Uh, is it Corey or Stratus? Uh, so I think maybe maybe that is is a key factor in terms of um, the coordination in the team. I think that is, in my opinion, their issue. Though I don't think the, there's a there's a player skill issue here. All right. Well, uh, again, they're only only about a third of the way through. They are currently two and eight. So I'm not a math guy, but I don't think that completely necessarily counts them out. But unfortunately, Washington fans, it's not looking too good. Uh, now, the other side of that, a team that uh, does still have a chance, that is still looking pretty good, is the Paris Eternal, currently sitting 8th seed with a 5-4 and four record. You know, not terrible by any means. Uh, but again, we talked last uh, segment about how they, they seem to sort of be on this cusp between really being great, and then we see matches like they had against the Florida Mayhem, uh, where they get clean swept. So, what do you think is it that... that the Eternal have as their strengths here and what seems to be holding them back in some of these situations where they don't seem to be able to follow through in the way that most people uh, expect them to. Well, I mean, I think they've had a great season so far. Um, actually, didn't actually have to go back to Korea or something? I think, I think, yeah, he's currently on inactive roster. I read that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, do you think that's going to be to the team? I can't pin it on, on, one person to be honest or like well you know it's, it's never one person but i do think xy has been the clear superstar for this team i feel like he's been starting permanently when he's you know around um so without him they're definitely just weaker frankly i think soon and nico are both great players but i do think xy has been um really the leader in terms of just impressive playmaking on this roster um so i think you know even you i would love to see soon get beginning play time same same for nico 
but I both would want to see them partnered up with XE, you know, when the situation is right, when the, when the hero pool lines up for it. But I think without XE um, and Sparkle still being underage, those are really big limiting factors for the Paris Eternal. And if anything for Paris Eternal, I think their mindset just needs to be survive. Like, get a few wins, keep yourself in playoff contention. When you can field that XE Sparkle DPS lineup, that's going to be terrifying for the other team. You know, I think Sparkle is an insanely talented um, individual on the on the come up. You know, a young player, so you know has a huge has a huge open potential for the future. Um, and I think that DPS combo sounds pretty terrifying. Sounds pretty top of the league terrifying. Um, and I think the rest of the roster, even without Hip, I do think Gray is also a very strong uh, player with a lot of potential as well. So I think this team can easily make playoffs. Can easily be one of the best teams in the world come playoff time but um i do think they you know with they're they're hurting without xc and without sparkle um two different issues right like xc's uh, i'm not sure exactly what he's dealing with but obviously he's of age so it's just a matter of when those issues can be resolved and he can return to play and for sparkle when he turns 18 and is able to play which i believe will happen like halfway through the season or something um both of those things i think would be big boosts for this team so they've had a fine start so far, um, pretty. I mean, like, not obviously not guaranteed to make playoffs, but they've set themselves up well. And as long as they get a, a good amount of time for Sparkle and XE, and as long as those players are like playing as expected, they don't even need to go beyond expectations right now because my expectations are really, really high for these players. So just doing what I think they can do, you know, what their what their average performance will be. I think if they can just maintain that, they should be great. They should make playoffs and and be one of the best teams in the world. Um, if the roster issues continue to plague them, if Sparkle doesn't integrate well into the team, you know, we know he's a youngster with like, uh, maybe, I don't know if I say a hot temper, but he's got definitely like a big personality. You know, we've all seen this, the stream clips of him like going crazy and screaming and stuff, which, you know, is, is funny and ranked and is fine. Um, but obviously is like, is like pretty unacceptable in my opinion in a professional environment. But I also, you can't say that he is that way in a professional environment because, you know, those clips are from ranked and he's just having a good time messing around. So, uh, you know, it's only it's only his teammates, I guess, who will know how he is um, in that professional environment. I'm confident that he can, um, you know, I don't know him personally, but like most players can make a big adjustment between ranked and, and professional team. So it's not to say that he can't do that, but he does need to, right? Like the team needs to, you know, have that professional competitive atmosphere to, to really succeed. You can't be um, yelling or anything like that, um, at least not at the point of the match where it still matters. But, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's a really talented player. He knows that. Um, understands that so um, if this team does what I expect them to do I think they'll be one of the best teams come playoffs this this week momentary hiccup in my mind yes I uh, agree I'm sure we'll probably be seeing more of the Paris Eternal uh, obviously between those two the Eternal and the Justice one definitely has a bit of a brighter future than the other uh, up next we'll discuss how recent hero bans might end up affecting the meta and how one of the damage heroes kind of got a little bit of a buy this week that's coming up next <laughs> Knock 
He's dropping to the right. It's solo. It's solo. Bro, bro, push him together. He's running. Bro, let's go. Bro. Hell yeah, bro. Let's go, boys. Because China, at any moment, because of their one-party government system, can flip a switch and say your game is banned. Um, in that. Uh oh, well Norris froze. Oh Norris, Norris, <laughs> Norris. No! he's he's gone. Oh, I thought it was my internet. Yeah, <laughs> gonna, gonna go ahead and pick it up from there from him though. Oh oh wait, oh, Norris is back. Got that? I'm back. Got that? Oh. Uh, that rocket fiber going on down in Detroit. <laughs> rocket fiber. Got that Dan happened. Gilbert internet, man. Ooh, that was weird. I thought it was my internet. For I nearly panicked. I was like, great. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Owl's Nest. If you haven't already, make sure that you're connecting with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP over on Twitter and Facebook. You can also find Jake at JakeOW. And make sure that you are uh, both following him, and if you can, sub to him over on Twitch.tv slash Jake underscore OW. So uh, we're going to start out here on the third segment is where we always start out here, and that's going to be with the Matches of the Week. So the first one coming up is a little bit of a rematch from, uh, I believe it was last week or, or the week before. Getting a little mixed up there. Everything's during the quarantine starting to blur together. But the Atlanta Reign and the Philadelphia Fusion, once again, going to go head-to-head. -head. Uh, I believe the Reign took the Fusion to a Game 5 last time. So, Jake, I have to know, do you think that the Fusion are going to be able to stay on top of their game, or do you think that someone might finally get, well, I guess it would be the second win over the Fusion, but might finally put the brakes on them? Well, I mean, you know, you have to look at this match going in and just predict Philly to win just because they are the top team uh, in the region right now, arguably the top team in the entire league right now. Um, so I, I wouldn't predict anybody over them. But, you know, Rain have shown time and time again that they have the mental fortitude to focus on themselves, focus on their own gameplay, and not let their opponent's strength get to their head. So this has been a team that has been a bit of a giant slayer in the past. So I think very possible they could be that David once again. Uh, here against Philly. Um, at the same time, you know, as I said, like I, I would still predict Philly Fusion to win. I still think that they'll be able to get away with this one just because, you know, all the reasons they've, they've won so many times so far in the season, right? Like they, like for them, it's just a question of doing it again. For Rain, it's a question of can we make this a possibility? Can we somehow find a way to defeat them? Um, so still, you know, you got to favor Philly in this matchup, but I, I like Atlanta's chances, and I also love seeing them take on a top team because they play without fear, and, and that's a really important thing to be to be having as a roster. It shows that Rain are going to be a consistent competitor regardless of the meta and stuff because even if they know they're unfavored going into a match, I don't see them crumbling. I don't see them falling apart. Those aren't their issues, and those are like the worst, most critical issues to have as a team, I think, um, where uh, whereas like obviously going against top teams, you know, you're not always going to win, but... Uh, for the rain, they, they seem to like play with confidence no matter what, and th and then I think that really makes a difference and makes it a lot more fun to watch them. So uh, this is definitely a match of the week for me. And I think the one that I'm more excited about uh, this is happening Sunday morning, so I'll probably have to catch it on the vods. But Seoul Dynasty versus the Shanghai Dragons. Obviously, Shanghai is still riding pretty high, six and one. Uh, you know, we have some analysts saying that they may even be the top seed right now, or, or sorry, top of the power rankings, even above the Philadelphia Fusion. They'll be going up against the Seoul Dynasty, who we've only seen play, I believe. Two matches here uh, so far. They're 
technically uh, our first seed at 2-0. So I have to know, Jake, you know, these two going up against one another, great lineups on both sides. What are you predicting or hoping to see out of this match? I mean, this is one you definitely don't want to miss. Uh, Shanghai has, just watching them play, casting them a few times, they've been so impressive to me. This team, you know, it's hard to say, you know, the competition between regions right now because uh, the, the reality of the current situation is that, you know, the, the league's been a bit regionalized, um, at least for the moment. But Shanghai has been looking so coordinated, so sophisticated as a team, just really, really impressing me with their executions. They're, they're really sharp, and they're not only on an individual level are they sharp, but their team play has been nigh perfect. I mean, really, really beautiful executions coming off from them have that, while casting, have literally just left me open mouth with just how precise they are and how quick they make their moves. Uh, and how you know decisive they are, which so so critical in Overwatch. They just look like one unit when they play as a team, which is very hard to do. Not not so simple to get to that level. Um, whereas Soul Dynasty also have been looking incredibly powerful. We haven't seen nearly as much from them, so I kind of like Shanghai's chances, but I'm very hesitant to be confident in that. I'm not confident at all, in fact, because Soul has been really really great from what we've seen of them. It's just that they haven't been able to play. Um, you know, so many matches. So definitely a huge match for Seoul. They want to keep, you know, be 3-0. and It would be a tragedy for a team like Seoul for how well they played to be 2-1. and But then again, I think once they get more matches under their belt, I don't think there's many teams where I, that I do think will take wins off them. So even if Shanghai does it, I'm not worried about Seoul's overall season, um, but also vice versa. I, I think both of these teams will be top playoff contenders um, come the end of the season. So Awesome to see them match up right now. Uh, another important match to keep an eye on this weekend uh, as the uh, the regional rivalries always seem to be some of the best matches. That's going to be the Dallas Fuel versus the Houston Outlaws in the battle for Texas. Now, both of them are kind of on the rise. Dallas sitting at 17 uh, with two uh, at 2-4 and four, and uh, Houston Outlaws uh, 15th seed 4-6. and six. Uh, But both have kind of, you know, sort of been struggling to get back on that horse. Uh how are you going to call this match? Who do you think has a little bit of the edge here, uh, especially keeping in mind, you know, what some of the hero bands are this week? It's really interesting um, this week, I think. Um, honestly, Dante is so good at Echo. I think when that hero comes into the pool, I think Dante is going to be a monster on it uh, after playing with him in this, uh, the Echo tournament this past weekend. But obviously... Congratulations on your win, by the way. Oh, yeah, thanks. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of good time to play with my old teammate um, and also a lot of other cool folks on the team. Um, but uh, yeah, getting back into this match, I do think this is going to be a pretty exciting one. I think um, Hero Pool, in my mind, doesn't doesn't really play too much of a factor this week. I guess I think both teams get hurt by the Tracer ban. I think Decay likes to play Tracer in weird situations, but Dante as well, also a monster on the Tracer. So, um, you know, I think that's, I'd say, about even in terms of what it costs each team. I don't think either team particularly loves playing um, Arissa. Uh, maybe maybe Crimzo has is a little bit more partial to the Moira than um, Rockus or Rappel, but but not significantly. So uh, maybe I feel like I'm just overanalyzing it to get deep into the hero pool as far as this week. Um, ultimately, I think this is going to be a true test of both teams. Um, Dallas has been looking really really strong recently, um, but also you know failing to clinch it in some crucial games, which I'm sure has like worn on their mentality just a little bit. Um, Outlaws as well, you know, having a really bad start to the season turning it around and now once again feeling a bit of headwinds but time will tell i guess whether those headwinds are you know long term or just a momentary um momentary mistakes on, on the way to on the way back to a you know restorative season um 
Oh man, who's gonna have the edge here? This is this is really <laughs> tough to tough. call. I think. Um, I just, I guess I'll just take the team bias and, and give it give it to my boys, give it to the Outlaws. Um, I think it's I think they've been looking really really great as a coordinated team. Uh, I feel like the roster has been utilized really intelligently um, recently. Um, I guess it, for me, it depends a lot on how the meta breaks down this week. Uh, if we see a ton of McCree. I have to give Decay the edge on that. I think he might be the best McCream player in the match. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think um, the team play from Outlaws might actually be a little bit better, um, especially with the Moira band. With um, you know, I think Dallas has Dallas best looks have been like full Zerg rushing strategies. You know, full brawling with um, with Ryan and Moira um, and, and heroes that want to stay right on top of those those players. Um, Decay looked really, really great on the McCree, but he also looked really, really great on the McCree while their team lost pretty hard early in the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, he also he was a superstar then too against against you know teams like Valiant and Shock, and it just wasn't enough. Um, so you know, it's it's not clear that 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 will be the, the deciding factor in this match. Uh, even though I do think he'll definitely have a great performance as he seems to always do. Um, but yeah, I guess full team bias mode. Yeah, I'll give it to the Outlaws. It's just too close to call, so that so I'll just go to that. Yeah, and well, as a proud owner of two Jake jerseys, a Dante jersey, and wearing one in Animal Crossing, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Uh, the final thing that I wanted to actually touch on here, and just, just to get your uh, initial thoughts on it, is uh, the hero bands this week, of course, Orissa, Moira, Tracer, and Echo, who isn't actually in uh, the Overwatch League uh, uh, professional play just yet. Uh, but of course, because of the new rules, where they also take into account what's been played at the top of the ladder in uh, a competitive retail version, uh, that now affects uh, what ends up being banned out in professional play as well. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? The fact that technically only you know one DPS has really been banned out for professional play this week? Um, well, I mean, I, I think it's a little sad to see Echo out of the pool. I was pretty excited to see her played, but I also think this hero might need some tuning. Um, I think I'm surprised she actually hasn't already been a little bit tuned down. I, I think she's um, been maybe just a little too dominant um, in the long run, I, just getting a little too much value. Uh, but too too soon to say. Also, you know, McCree was banned last week, um, which I think is a, is a really strong hero against Echo. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this week's hero pool. To be honest, I, uh, good things, bad things. I love seeing Arissa and Moira banned. Uh, that's that's one thing I really <laughs> like. I'm not too big of a fan of either of those heroes. So um, those are those are big pluses. Uh, Tracer being out of the pool seems a bit weird, but I guess that's just adapting to the new system where ranked has impact. Uh, you know, Tracer didn't really see much play at all in pro play. I mean, she sees a little. She's always going to see a little bit of play. She's just such a unique hero with, you know, a really strong kit in the right circumstances. But that kit just hasn't been that strong recently. Um, I think without Moira, actually, Tracer might be really, really strong this week. So it's a little bit unfortunate that we don't get to see her at full power. I think if you ban those really elusive supports, um, as well, Arissa being one of the most resilient tanks against Tracer. Uh, then I think um, just not really caring about the pulse bomb and whatnot, uh, and Moira being so difficult to kill as you can just you know fade out of your sticky bomb and whatnot. But um, but yeah, so I think the hero pool this week is is probably just brings us back to that original meta we saw before hero pools came into into favor, uh, which I think is actually kind of exciting. You know, instead of that instead of that style of gameplay going for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now it's actually a circumstance where we haven't seen it in a while, so it feels fresh again, and, and, and I actually want to see, you know, who's better at the McCree-Ryan 
diva um, May strategy. And maybe May won't even be that good anymore with, with you know, the recent nerfs. Um, tough to call. But, um, yeah, I think it's a good week for Hero Pools, honestly. I think the Arisa Mario bands really are going to make the game fresh and exciting again. I think we're going to see a ton of Ana gameplay, ton of Lucio, ton of Ryan. Uh, and I think those heroes are always a blast to watch. They just offer such exciting team play opportunities. All right. Well, that's going to be all the time that we have for today. Once again, everyone, we encourage you to connect with us on social media. Checkpoint XP on Facebook and Twitter, Robbie underscore Landis CP and Jake OW. Make sure you're also checking out CheckpointXP.com. Outside of just the Owl's Nest, we have all kinds of great content over there from shows to articles and much more. That's going to be it for us tonight, guys. So remember to always stay on that payload. <laughs>